Alex Pearson, 640 Toronto. Good to have you here. Um, pretty big headline came across. I'm not sure it's getting a lot of te- uh, attention, but it is a pretty substantial win for the Trudeau government, which has now won an appeal that will not legally force the government to repatriate four Canadian men who uh, decided to go off and fight jihad in Syria. And one of those people is a guy named Jack Letts, who is not even born in this country, but because of his father being born in this country, he gets those uh, Canadian rights. And uh, so we, up until now, because we had lost a, an order a couple of months ago in the court, which said, look, every citizen of Canada has a right to enter and remain and leave. He was able to... Uh, get through that loophole, and he, these other three fighters, as well as a group of women and kids, uh, were ordered back into the country. And so the women and the children came, but these four men have uh, been held in Syria as this thing goes through the appeal process, and uh, the ruling comes in saying, no, it is not const- we are not constitutionally obligated or otherwise obligated at law to repatriate any of them. However... Shouldn't discourage the government of Canada from making such an effort to bring them about that result. But I think a lot of Canadians will say, hey, you want to go and fight ISIS? Be my guest. But don't expect us to get you uh, out. I don't think that it's certainly not for the kids. Send the kids. But if you're an adult and you go fight jihad, I think they'll see this uh, ruling as being fair, especially when you're not even born in this country. Let me bring in Giddy Mammon, immigration lawyer. I thought, well, I wonder what Giddy would say about this. So it's good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's a very important court ruling because, again, it sets a precedent, um, and we don't like when it sets a precedent, um, you know, that we have to accept this. But in this case, lawyers fighting for these people uh, felt it was their charter right to come and go as they please, no matter their their uh, motive. This other court saying, yeah, no, not, not going to happen. So can you just flesh it out a bit here, what's uh, been ruled on? For sure. So in 2011, our government warned all Canadians not to travel to Syria because Hezbollah had attacked Israel and Israel was Mm -hmm. retaliating. It was a mess. And they warned again. They said, listen, if you go, you cannot count on us going to rescue you because this is a very dangerous uh, area. So what these litigants have done is done exactly that. They went to Syria They ignored Canadian uh, directions, and there they are. Now they're stuck in a very, very terrible situation. So our Charter of Rights says that every citizen of Canada has the right to enter Canada, to remain in Canada, and to leave Canada. So, you know, we cannot deny entry to to Canadians. They have an absolute right to come, stay, and leave Canada anytime that they want. But what the litigants are saying is the right to enter uh, is a right to be returned to Canada. That means if I can't enter on my own, you have an obligation to come and get me and bring me Mm. back. Now, everybody is acknowledging, no one is denying this, even the litigants are not denying this, that it's dangerous. We have no embassy there. We have Mm -hmm. uh, no way of protecting anyone there. And in order to get them out, the local authority, which is not a real government, it's just, you know, people who run that area, they're demanding that a Canadian representative physically go there and sign some stuff and pull these people out. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, who, who wants to do that job, risk their own necks in this part mm-hmm. of the world? But they're saying you have an obligation to come and rescue us. And the Constitution says, no, you have the right to enter Canada. You don't have the right to force us to go and get you out of trouble that we had we tried to avoid. We didn't put you in that problem, but you went yourself 
and you sought trouble, and now you've found it. And so we're not necessarily bound to get you. But like you said, the court said, we're not saying that Canadians shouldn't go help, but they're not required to go and endanger Canadian personnel to get you out and bring you home. Yeah, no. So what happens then to the women that were already brought back? So does this then, I mean, I'm sure they're just going to leave them. I think a couple of them have been arrested and charged. But what, what, what would the um, ruling implications be on those that have already been returned? Well, they're Canadian citizens. If you, if you are stuck outside, it doesn't really matter where. Let's suppose you go to the islands for a holiday, your passport is stolen. If you're able mm-hmm. to go to a Canadian consulate or a Canadian embassy and you can prove to them that you're a Canadian, even though you don't have a passport, they're going to offer you assistance. So the fact here is, is it doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. The Canadian government will offer you consular assistance. But to go into a war zone and stick their neck out mm-hmm. to rescue you under any circumstances, they have no such obligation to do. So those people who have benefited from being assisted back into Canada using, you know, uh, whatever diplomatic uh, channels we have and the issuance of documents, that's fine. No one's questioning that at all. The only question is, are we required to go to extraordinary lengths to bring you home? And the answer the court said very unequivocally that this is not, uh, this is not consistent with international law, this is not consistent with conventions, and you cannot read the charter that broadly. You only have yeah. the right to enter, remain, and leave Canada. You don't have anything else from that from that um, that one sentence in the charter. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, like clearly, Jack Letts was the one who was driving the headlines on this. This is someone who lived in the UK, born in the UK, but his dad just happened to be Canadian. So when he went off to fight jihad and. It didn't go so well. He then turned to Canada and said, well, you guys helped me and, and his parents, and I feel for them. No one, no one would wish them upon a parent, but they've been fighting tooth and nail to get him back. And I think most Canadians see it and say, look, you weren't even born in this country. You just now want us to, because the UK also don't, didn't want him back. So I don't, I don't know what this means for his, he's still over in Syria in a jail now, but, uh, you know, I think for that, for them, I think a lot, they're not going to get a lot of sympathy other than maybe a parental, like, uh, I feel for you. Right. So take a look at what happened in 2006. Um, In 2006, um, Canada went and rescued uh, almost 15,000 people uh, from Lebanon. Uh, Mm. We we did that. We spent $94 million doing that. There was a big brouhaha about that. Why are we, again, why are we rescuing and spending money bringing people who are, yes, they are Canadian citizens, but they really don't live in Canada. They live in Lebanon. But we did that because the government felt that, you know, I guess it wasn't too risky and it was a, it was a good idea. Uh, and we did that in Sudan also. We rescued people from Sudan. And certainly, uh, now, the Omar Khadr situation is a little bit different. But Omar Khadr, remember, he was a, a child soldier. And mm. he was, he was uh, uh, you know, uh, arrested and put in Guantanamo Bay for about 10 years. And the Canadian government uh, was taken to court. Uh, and mm-hmm. said, look, uh, you, you put this guy into trouble because we sent Canadian intelligence officers to him, to Guantanamo Bay, and then we turned that information over to the Americans. And then they decided to hang on to him in these uh, terrible conditions. And so there the, govern- the, the court held that there was a duty to rescue him because you imperiled him. And that's why we ended up paying Omar Khadr $10 million. But that's a different yeah. situation. 
In that situation, the Canadian government did something to make the situation worse. Uh, in these other situations, the Lebanon situation, Sudan, and in this situation, uh, it's not the same. Canada was completely innocent of, of, of anything uh, with respect to the dilemma that these Canadians found themselves in. So it, we're not saying that Canada should not help its citizens abroad, but is it required to? Uh, not to this extent, not to having to send Canadian personnel into a war zone where there's no government, there's no recourse. The, 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 the Federal Court of Appeal said very clearly that's not part of the deal under the Charter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no question about it, that Omar decision and certainly the uh, Cotter decision to cut him a check did not go over very well with Canadians. And so I think a lot of people will be wondering, do we have to cut Jack Letts? Or is this going to be one of those things, like Giddy, where all of a sudden we're reading that we had to cut Jack Letts, uh, who is, you know, according to his parents, a pretty nice kid. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, but I, if I have to write a $10 million check again because you went off to fight for jihad, that's not going to sit well. He may be a good kid. He may not be a good kid. The question is, did we put him into the mess? If the answer is no, then we're not responsible to get him out. Now, if we want to, we certainly can, but he has no claim to go to the court and say, you are under a constitutional obligation to do whatever is necessary to bring me back. The Constitution does not say that anywhere. It just says he can enter Canada. Should he get to the Canadian border or should he get to the Canadian embassy or Canadian consulate? We'll give him documents. We'll let him in. uh, But nobody's paying him any money. That's for sure. That that would be quite a feat. If he could somehow get to Roxham and cross over, I don't know how he'll do it because he's still in a serious prison. It does put, though, I mean, the Kurds don't want them. They're like, we don't want to take care of these people. They're not our responsibility. They came to kill us. So I don't know where these guys go. There's four of them. Uh, they're stateless. Uh, I guess they sit in that jail. Well, um, they wouldn't be stateless. If they're Canadian citizens, they wouldn't be stateless. But there is no one running to their rescue. Uh, mm. unless it's going to be safe to do so, and it's going to be at the discretion of the Canadian government and presumably the Canadian military and foreign affairs people. Uh, but mm-hmm. he cannot push a button and say, hey, you have to come. You are required to res- rescue me no matter how I got myself into this mess. You're required to rescue me. That does not exist in our law, and it doesn't exist in international law either. Stay tuned. Nonetheless, interesting case, but a very important ruling. So uh, thank you. I appreciate it. I hope you will. Thank you very much. My pleasure. All right. So there you go. And I'm sure we have not heard uh, the last from the Letts family. We did put a call in. Um, Look, they're fighting for their kid. I feel for them. Any parent would fight for their kid. But I think most Canadians will feel that this uh, is the right decision. Because it basically pretty privileged if you got the citizenship of this country. But, you know, guy wasn't born here. It doesn't mean you get to enjoy the right through your father who was.